we are experimenting a lot, me and Daniel, and when visionaries reached out to us and asked like, would you guys interview each other? It was a pretty crazy idea, but we thought, why not? Let's experiment with that as well. Uh, I know Daniel for five years, uh, since 2018, when we were raising our Series A, and Daniel joined us as an angel at that time. Uh, which I was lucky me. Luckily. Uh, and I missed his rounds, seriously, because I didn't have money and I didn't have uh, such a great friends who will introduce us. Yeah, uh, I thought that it will be an amazing opportunity to speak with Daniel, with all of you today in the room. Similar how we have these conversations one-on-one -on -one over video. When I call Daniel and ask him for advice and ask him how he is doing and whatnot, uh, Daniel didn't call me before to ask for advice or, uh, so I thought that maybe it also would be interesting for you to learn something from me today. So with that, let's start. I think I already learned quite a bit from you, Andre. I learned, uh, I've seen your grits and your ambition. You remember one time you told me, I was thinking of Daniel way of speaking English. And if Daniel can make it, for sure I can do it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so like when you're kind of a founder coming from Europe to the Bay Area and like you, you speak with accent, like some people don't understand you and then you uh, occasionally meet the guy who made such a successful company and he speaks with the same accent uh, like you. I was like, okay, maybe I can also make it. So that was, yeah, also huge uh, unlocking opportunity for me. Uh, but yeah, jokes aside, like you started the business in 2005, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I was graduating from school at that time. What was your dream? How you envision uh, this company back in the day? My dream was really to, to build a nice thing. I think I was born entrepreneur. I, I, I dreamt of building a company since I was like maybe 13, 14. And uh, I didn't have like a big idea to save the world somehow, which maybe it's bad in retrospect, but my biggest idea was to create a company where people will have joy working, where they can do their best and that together we can create that sort of magic. That's a new product that delights customers where we can apply the best of our minds. So if you look back and uh, thinking about what you have accomplished, how far you are on that journey? Well, I think the vision uh, gets bigger and bigger. As you go time. Huh? Yeah. At some point we realized that uh, speaking about having a major impact in the world, it's actually not, you know, something you have to be afraid of. Because, you know, being raised in Eastern Europe, I always, the bullshit radar is so big. If someone says, I want to change the world, it activates it. So I don't believe this time. But going through different stages, you actually realize that having a sense of mission is something what drives really great people to join you and participate into the journey. Oh, yeah, that's very true. Like when I started the company in 2011, uh, we have this just simple idea of bringing the whiteboard into a browser. There was no mission, there was no impact on the world. It's just like, why this whiteboard doesn't exist in the browser? 
and why people would not have access to it from all over the world. But then we kind of got this going. In 2016, we came up with a mission for a company, and that mission became a North Star for us that guides our decisions now, that guides our future thinking. And you kind of... What's that mission? The mission is empower teams to create the next big thing. So, and uh, we continuously think how we can empower teams to create the next big thing and like with the canvas and eventually maybe even outside of the canvas because there are so many things that teams need these days. Uh, and this mission guides our decision-making and future thinking. Yeah, that's powerful. Look, every time I, I talk to someone, I really want to learn from their mistakes. To me, that's, and I'm trying to learn from my mistakes. I keep learning over time and I'm reflecting a lot of my mistakes. So I'm curious, what do you think are your major mistakes? That Yeah, I, I wanted to learn from you in this session about your mistakes, but yeah, let me, let me share mine. I think uh, one of those was to maybe start and to evolve the company for too long without subject matter experts. It's like all the people in my team, including myself, were kind of not exposed to, to anything in this world, building the software at scale, uh, selling software, nothing. So we had to learn everything our way and it took us quite some time. So I would think that there would be some uh, efficiency opportunities if I would kind of have a better mix of people who saw at least how to scale things and people who have this kind of complete beginner's mindset who are figuring out things. That's one of the things. So I would uh, think I can accelerate a bunch of things in general in a business. But what kind of roles exactly do you have? I mean, like, think about this like as a interface designer. So, or even software engineer, if we need to build a reliable software. Like I had a team of four and they're all amazing engineers and they're all actually staff engineers in the company today. But when we started this company, the kind of experience was to build a website uh, on a Joomla with 100 users per month. And that was the best experience on that team. And people were literally out of school. And yes, like they, we learned the, the journey and we... we we build the software, but yeah, if you have a few folks who knows how to build reliable software from day one, it's a little bit better. You will have way less incidents. You will lose less customers in the first place and so on. Yeah, so that's one mistake. I think it's a big learning is actually how you build your leadership team. So because, uh, yeah, you go, you hire people and they all have great CVs, they all have great experiences, but what does it mean to have a great leadership team? You need to figure that out and how people would play together, how they solve problems together and whatnot. And it took me quite some time to learn how to uh, kind of make, make it stronger and learn how to part ways with people. It was not comfortable for me for a long time. And coming from Eastern Europe, you know, it's like your company is your family. You can't let go people from your family. So that was a big kind of a mindset change for me as well. Well, I think for everybody, it's very difficult to fire people. It's one of my good friends, which is the CEO of Workday right now, told me, Daniel, the moment you can fire people without having your consciousness kicking in, you are done as a business leader. 
So you will always have, but doing the right thing, it's hard. It's always very hard. And to me, building leadership, what, what my biggest lesson is that actually you need to look at people's personalities. I think you can easily find expertise, but matching personalities, I think it's much harder. Mm -hmm. It never worked. I, I learned the hard way. You cannot change one's character. You cannot change one's personality, regardless how intelligent they are, far, how empathic they are. You cannot. And it's not going to work. Yeah. You have to see this perfect you have to match see and work. chemistry, whatever. So people work together great. Otherwise, it, it doesn't create that effectiveness. I'm curious, like you have now 25% of your team in Romania. Uh, you had way more people in Romania in percentage-wise before when you started to build your yeah. uh, kind of U.S. office and uh, Western European offices. Um, I'm curious, like how you integrated cultures? What worked well? And what would you do differently if you do it again? Because you guys started in Romania, you worked in the U.S. before, but, but you had to integrate those cultures and make that smooth. So what are your lessons there? To be candid, I always had the bias against Romanians. I think Romanians are good engineers, but I think they, in terms of working together, they are very defensive. And it's very hard to give feedback to them. So my bias was against promoting Romanian leaders. So I always hire more experienced people, US, UK initially. And uh, it created a bit of a clash between, because Romanians also have very nice streets. So we build a company with young people, smart, energetic. We were working hard for us Friday night, 10 p.m. was always people with their laptops having a drink and working. And it's an amazing experience. And I, I feel that I didn't pay enough respect mm. to them, but hiring always on the top of them and not giving them a chance to, to become really great leaders. So would you do it differently now? So what would you do? Like, yeah, I would. Uh, you would promote? Right the, yeah, I think I would promote more. Another biggest mistake that I made, not only related to Romanians, but I prefer sometimes experience to attitude. And to me, that's one of the worst mistakes, especially as a founder and first time founder as an entrepreneur, I always had this imposter syndrome. Yeah. And then I tended to say, let me try to hire someone that is experienced. They will guide us. They will do this, but they come with the baggage, unfortunately, and they don't fit in the culture. Yeah. And uh, people will feel bad about this. And they feel that I betray them somehow. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's very true. Uh, I had a conversation with someone recently in my team. And uh, they told me, Andre, you hired us for experience. I said, no. I hired you for two things. I hired you 50% for experience and 50% for beginner's mindset. And if you kind of miss on one of those sides, <laughs> You're not a great fit because like just experience, just bringing a playbook doesn't make any sense. And well, this attitude and the exactly the mindset is as critical as the experience. Yeah. In retrospect, if I'm thinking what, what were the best treat that we had, I think it was our foolishness. Mm. We just went, you know, for a big market without thinking twice. So it was really good. If you think too much, 
and not act, I don't think you can go as fast as we went. I actually wanted to ask you a question. Um, I remember kind of your investors thought that kind of you scaling your goal to market kind of aggressive and they were kind of at the same time excited and scared about how you did it. It just like really went aggressively as building your goal to market. Anything you learned from that experience, anything you would do differently if you do it again? Because yes, you went after a big market with this kind of team that worked uh, on Friday till 10 p.m. But then you kind of took a ton of dollars and started to kind of really aggressively go after all markets across the world. I think it's interesting to put things in perspective for people here to understand yeah. the magnitude of mistake. And the... <laughs> so we were growing in 2019 from like 170 share up to 360 RR. Yeah. It's an amazing role. Very few companies ever achieve this. But in that year, we burned $400 million, and, which also very few companies at this stage did. Exactly. Yeah. So I think the, the key lesson is that that's, and it was really also hiring these big people and giving them a mandate and trusting them, guys, just go. And I trust the people that we can stay within a budget. I didn't realize how important it is to put some governance and control at a certain... And not all the people are scrappy. I believe that our scrappiness from just two years ago, I believe that everybody will have it, but it's not true. No. So you have to put early this type of governance and controls. And that's, that's a big thing. It's like, yeah. so you have checks and balances. So uh, what about AI? It's like you guys build it for a long time. It's like uh, before recent kind of boom around AI. And I'm curious, what's your view on the impact of AI in your space and where you believe we will still have a human in the loop and where you believe we will have automation um, as a primary solution and where you believe we can't delegate to AI anything in your space specifically? Well, we were one of the companies that were put initially on the kill list by AI, by a few big funds. And uh, I think now people realize that things are a little bit uh, more mixed. For us, AI, it's equally a headwind than a tailwind. Yeah. In a way, it's, we believe it's a much bigger tailwind mm -hmm. because we can help our customer adopt our software easier. We are creating copilots for everything in our technology and we are infusing AI. To, to me, this is a very interesting question. How deep will AI go within industry? Because right now, still a year after ChatGPT was on the main stage, almost, I see very few examples of enterprise usage besides, you know, personal productivity, small. I create this spreadsheet or I do, I believe humans in the loop will be essential. Essential. For, for a few years down the road. I don't believe that uh, AI can solve the problem of hallucinations easily, but I believe that for very specific industries, combining LLMs and uh, dedicated models, it will allow us to go almost autonomously. And yeah. how do you see it for your industry? Yeah, in our space, um, it's pretty interesting. We shipped a bunch of 
AI capabilities uh, based on generative AI things early this year. We have a decent traction with early adopters, but it didn't went as broad as I would expect. So you still, even with those magical experiences, you need to kind of, yeah, uh, get through this curve of early adopters. So that's one thing. Uh, we think strategically about what AI should, should be doing for our space. I believe that AI should be one of those people in the room where you do a strategic session, brainstorm and whatnot. So you have three, four people solving the problem. AI co-pilot could be the fifth person in the room. And this fifth person can also contribute to the discussion, correct? Um, of course, we see a lot of uh, potential efficiency gains where AI will help to summarize things and create kind of uh, takeaways from those sessions. That's pretty straightforward. Everyone is uh, doing this, but I think the biggest opportunity is will come from AI that will have the context of specific discussion and that can also connect to external data yeah. uh, and can combine both things because when you have this few people in but the But still, it's a creator tool. It's, it's a creator and then you have a human in the loop. The human will make a decision, of course. Yeah. But I think there is a lot of power in that because, you know, it's just like if you are three, four people, smart people in the room, you brainstorm on something. We don't have habits to go and Google what Google knows about that or what internet knows about that, correct? So AI can compensate for that and can bring perspectives that are already known. Yeah. And then you can combine what you kind of think in the room with what is known and then come up with a better answer solutions. That's what I believe. And that's but what the main question. Do you for, think that five years from now on, the yeah. clerical jobs will be heavily impacted do you see it pervasive? Do you see everything will be infused with AI? So we yeah. basically talk with AI companions all day long. Yeah, yeah. I think more and more about that copilot will be presented in almost everything we do. Yeah. So we drive the car, we'll have copilot. We, I don't know, like brainstorm, we will have a copilot. We speak with our GP, general practitioner. We'll have a co-pilot. But that's still a creator thing. Yeah, exactly. But do you think we will see agents that autonomously will do operations, medium complex operations? Oh, this is out of my kind of expert zone. I, I don't think in the next three, five years we'll see that because look at the kind of self-driving cars. It takes quite, quite time to... So you feel the edge cases can kill... Yeah, I, I think there would be edge cases. But I think to your point, like, would we see it all over the place in five years? I, I would, I would think no. Uh, in ten years, in some areas, might be. Yeah, my thinking is that we will definitely see copilots yeah. almost everywhere with a human in the loop, and then we'll see what areas. Well, it was a great pleasure. Thank you, Andre.